Say that podcast for your big questions, get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining me here is Glenn Fitzgerald, the president of Mission USA. I'm back. We'll get to that. Also joining us, Jed Brother, director <laughs> of Mission USA Productions. You know, I feel like I've really always been here. That's so, actually pretty much true. Some people come and go. You've actually <laughs> been sitting in front of this Pro Tools rig for almost the entire month. That's pretty literally true. <laughs> so joining us all the way from Rivers, Tennessee, one of the pastors of Christ Community Church, Lee Younger. I didn't leave or come back, but nobody seems to care about that. That was wow. very zen, dude. Wow. That was like that was insecure and zen, right. which I'd like to term zen secure. <laughs> it's a whole new thing. That's That's nicely good, done, That's Mr. Good. Thank you. Thank you. That is like a transcendentalist poem. I, I neither left nor nor returned. But no one noticed. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> I'm totally one with the universe, but the universe doesn't care. <laughs> That's real bad. That makes me happy. Okay, well, wait a second. I declare an emergency. Stop having fun. Wow. An emergency that we're having fun that's not directing attention at you? That's correct. My, okay. my levity now. is gone. Tell me of your emergency. <laughs> well, sometimes... Now, some people may be new to this show. So sometimes okay. we talk about things that aren't Glenn, and Glenn does not care for that. What so, What I like to do is get to the wisdom. Sure. People have questions. We got answers. Boom, done. Sure. Mm-hmm. But occasionally, maybe one in every 10 or 20 shows, we have some form of an emergency. We have to declare an emergency. Sure. One of every 10 right. or 20 or one. We have to work out the emergency before we can move forward. We just got to face things head on, man. Okay. Also, good to point out, we've never actually resolved any of the emergencies. So, here's our Over emergency. about 120 on resolving emergencies. <laughs> here's, our, here's our emergency is uh, we've had some meetups, y'all. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. And there's when you a, say we. A, when, when I say we, I mean me. Sure. Sort of the royal we. Sure. sure. The editorial. Are exactly. you, uh, let me just ask you this. Would you say that you are amused? Uh, I would say that I am not amused. Oh, wow. Anyway, uh, so here's the here's the thing. is uh, I, I made my triumphant return to my hometown of Houston. Okay. That would and, be Houston, Pennsylvania? Uh, that would be Houston, Texas. I've not heard of that one. Yeah, no. Uh, Texas, uh, the most beautiful place on earth, and everyone wishes what? that they were there. The great well, that's State what Texas. everyone from Texas thinks about everyone anyway. That's correct. So... I made my triumph for return. Right. Was like, you know, this is going to be cool. People will probably hoist me on their shoulders. Sure. Was the was the Bill Conti Rocky theme playing when you reentered Houston? Well, I, I thought that would have been appropriate in my mind. You know, Makes I had sense a, to me. It was, in my own mental iPod, that's where I was playing. Well, it, it, but it's Houston, so it's the Rocky theme, but on a steel guitar. Right. You know? <laughs> Very yeah, dude, twangy. I, I would buy an MP3 of that. Yes. So, um, uh, turns out there wasn't like, you know, cause like sometimes you see that where they're like people line up and they have signs and things sure, like that. Sure. Oh, that's kind Welcoming of home, uh, people who win championships or yeah. uh, returning soldiers and the like. Exactly. You I figured that'd be the treatment you would that's, receive. That was exactly, I'm sort of like a champion soldier in a lot of ways. So, wow. um, for truth and justice. Okay. So, well, that didn't happen, but. Uh, we met some very lovely people there, uh, some amazing superfans. Okay. 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 So uh, we want to, we uh, now we missed, uh, we weren't able to get together with 
Uh, Josh, yep. Yep. So we'll, we'll have to do that another time. Uh, 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 we, we weren't able, or I say weren't able, we forgot to take a picture of uh, Jim that we met with Jim, and we met with uh, Charlie. Uh, I'm getting worried that the show. we thing isn't a bit anymore, and this is the way you're going to talk now. I think um, I think it is. I think uh, if uh, if Glenn starts referring to his precious, that's when we need to be really, really concerned. Yeah. So um, he does have that squirrel on his shoulder. That could be what he means by we. <laughs> mouse in my pocket, you know. Yeah. So here's the thing: is um, we uh, went to uh, meet with those people, and, uh, and then I met. Uh, uh, the uh, very lovely Stephanie. Yes, and her boyfriend Seth. Okay. Okay. Now here's here's how here this stuff is getting uh kind of complicated, and here's the emergency we need to dive into. Stephanie, certified, say that podcast superfan. Okay. You check the paperwork and everything. Absolutely, it all checks out. Okay. I mean, there's no doubt about it. She's locked in. Okay. Seth is a fan. But is he a super fan? He is not a super fan. Huh. Okay. Now, he's heard the podcast recently. Sure. Okay. Loves the podcast. Right. Thinks it's great. Right. But as a newcomer, he, he's not a super fan. As a newcomer, he's not a super fan. And, you know, it's not like, you know, because, for example. That's an athletic like, jump, though. I mean, if you're going to come in, you know, I mean, yeah. it takes a little bit. Well, you know, I'm sort of expecting sort of a, um, you know, where he says, you know, I I enjoy the show, and here's my leather-bound volume of the transcript of the show that sure. I, you know, that sure, I had, you know, bound in leather from my own personal notes. That now you're now you're at a level of super fan, right? Know? My question to all of you is. Can this relationship possibly work? Well, I think the Bible has a lot to say about relationships where, you know, um, to be honest, they're unequally yoked. Yeah. You know, doesn't the Greeks say, what fellowship hath light with darkness? What fellowship hath fan with super fan? Yeah. Hath is not a Greek I, word, so no, it doesn't it, say that. It's there in the Greek, man. It's I mean, in the Greek. <laughs> you know, it, as a Greek scholar myself, I recognize I'm laying down some stuff here that, you know, someone like Matthew might not get. Yeah, you are a Greek scholar, but particularly of the yogurt. <laughs> also, can I point out, I'm so uncomfortable with you using the advice tone of voice during the emergency segment. I feel like this is a very yeah, dark road is, to go down. It did throw me off. I was all of a sudden I was scrambling. This is not going to be good. We, like, wait, do we start? Don't we cross start the streams, Brewer. <laughs> it's been a long week. Let, let me ask this question, okay? Let's say the relationship goes to the next level. Okay. Super uh, relationships? Yeah. Ultra relationship. Here's here's the thing. <laughs> How are you going to raise the children? Sure. Are you going to love to say that co- podcast or super love to say that podcast? Because what's going to happen is mom's a super fan, right? Right. No Kids question. are like, they're going to fall in with what mom's on. Right. All of a sudden, here's dad being all casual about it. Right. Right. Okay. The kids are going to say, uh, hello, what's going on here, sure. dad? Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. How's he going to explain that? Well, I think well, we have to pay respect to the idea of a mixed family. They could, you know, they could at Christmas, they, they, well, the winter holiday season, they could celebrate both. You could have your your super fan tree and your fan menorah. Yeah, but if you could play the, together, they could be dude, in the same room. You can honor fam- both traditions. Look, it's like this: the family that say that's together stays together. Okay. No doubt. 
that's what I'm talking about. I mean, uh, I don't know. I specifically assume this podcast has torn more than one family apart at the seams. <laughs> oh, sure. No, dude, we're making families. We, that, we, I don't know true. how many times we have to say that. We are making. We uh, have to. We have to keep them at. A, we have to keep making them at a replacement level. Let, let me tell. You, let me tell you. It's what. like it's like we're a logging company that buys carbon offsets. We're we're committed to making as many babies that are new fans of this show as we lose. Now from I'm going to throw antics. a flag on that particular sentence. Why? I'm confused. I, I'm confused. Are you, you say do you hate babies? Matt and I quote, babies. we are dedicated to, quote, making babies. Right. I think you're simplifying that a little bit. Matthew. You're saying that we want I to mean, support you know, people, our married listeners in making babies. Because I believe, yeah. Mr. So-called Fitzgerald, yes. you returned from this trip where you not only saw super fans, but you saw your family. Yes. One of whom is your sister, who has babies. That's correct. And you were eating dinner with so-called Mr. Brewer and I last night and pointed out, I mean, babies, but at some point I'm like, let's ditch the kids and go party. I have no memory of that. <laughs> I can, I would, I can read back from the McDonald's transcriptionist. Now your wife is listening to this podcast. Right. Now, will she yeah. confirm or deny that that sounds like something you would say? <laughs> she would definitely confirm that. All right. So let's keep the baby hating accusations in our pocket. Here's baby. what I'm saying is a, <laughs> I love babies, right? I've always loved babies. Right. I'm pro baby. Sure. In small doses. administration has always been pro baby. Yeah, I, I mean, there's a point where it's it's better enough. Sure, yeah. sure, absolutely. Uh, and you know what? At some point, get a job. But right. uh, we're committed to getting <laughs> lectures. A lot of babies about how they're not contributing <laughs> to the economy. Here's the thing: get together, they're takers. We're here to to get the people to fall in love, get married, have babies, have babies. So that we're 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 breeding new fans. Yes. Again, out of context, that's a very worrisome <laughs> statement. Yes. So uh, I think, that in my mind, just to resolve this, because Matt says we never resolve important issues on this show. That's part of our mission statement. This is, I think, it's up to Seth. See, right? Ball, balls in his court. He's no got up the game. He's got a he's got a tremendously up the game. If you right. want to keep the woman, right? You know what I'm saying? You have to you have to take it to super fan status, or right. what's the possible future? Of Here's my question, though. On the to go back to the breeding thing for just a second, would you go so far as to say that we're genetically engineering fans? Definitely. Sure. If you don't know what any of those words mean, that sounds like a pretty accurate <laughs> description. It, we're the Monsanto of podcasting. Sure. Basically, it's podcasting eugenics, I think. Yeah. Wow. wow. So, really? So I think that's I was good. never here. <laughs> Glenn, you have to up everything to even if, I it's, really even if it's a swan dive over yeah. the line. Yeah. Well, there's there just are that. only so very many, so very few people listening who are going to understand this. Yeah. But the ones who do will understand it very deeply. Glenn has won the Lawson Award. Yeah, that's thank you. Yeah, that statement. Yes. Well, here's yeah. the here, here's the thing, and and maybe the the only thing that you want to remember tonight is that uh, if you if you if you love a podcast, uh, if you love a fan of the podcast, uh, you have to to uh, make a commitment to that podcast. Absolutely, that's at least equal to their commitment. No question. It's, it's about love. It's about okay. love. It's about babies. It's about babies. Yeah, well, let me reason. ask you this. Go ahead, Lee. Well, I was just wondering. I mean, do you would would you say that Seth was on would be on the right track if he would go ahead as he's listening right now and just leave a review like 
you know, like a like a super fan would. Let me tell you what, that would go a very long way. Yeah. It would show at least that he's trying, right? Okay, and that would th- this is what we're looking for. Okay. So we're just trying to help Seth. That's basically what that's this, what this is, man. Is. That's, that's what this is. Um so we want to encourage that. Also, I met with Miss Allison okay. while I was there. Amazing. Here's another thing about these people that I've met. This is absolutely true. All these people that I meet, they're fans of the podcast and of the blogs. They're all super attractive. Really? That's true, actually. Well, that's the chicken or the egg uh, theory of our time. Is it listening to the podcast that makes them more attractive, or do we just attract the This is exactly people? what I wanted to, to, to throw out there, is does listening to the Say That podcast make you extremely attractive? That's a very fun. Well, question, if the, let, you know let's mean? say that you could, let's say that you could like demonstrate that as a scientific fact, then it would be in Seth's self-interest on many levels to go ahead and up his status to superfan. No question about it. I mean, you know, the, all of these people that I'm meeting with are basically just, you know, uh, you know, a, a superhuman level of attractive. Yeah. Uh, almost as if they'd been, you know, genetically engineered in some sort of way. <laughs> All right, easy there. I, I'm not saying that, that we have a lab that's working on that of just doing some sort of DNA scrambling through the airwaves. I'm not saying that. Are we are we really comparing ourselves to previous organizations of the late 20th century that Shogun named that had labs doing genetic research on their people? No, I are these that, the thing? Are these the correlations you're drawing to this podcast? <laughs> it would be inappropriate. But here's what I am saying. I refuse to be the Goebbels of podcasting. That's what I'm saying. Somebody had to say it will be me. Wow. (laughs) On that basis, I declare an emergency off. That that was probably a good moment for it. Yeah. I I think I think that feels right. We've descended into the lowest possible place. Oh, uh, I, th- I realized that that was a bit of a gamble, audience at home, to try to uh, force Glenn's hand into emergency off by going full internet with the nazi <laughs> comparison there but i think we'll all agree it paid off absolutely well i think it also should be pointed out for this particular show that uh we're recording it in a semi-advanced state of exhaustion yes and so absolutely. i think there is almost no telling what might be said next that's really it's the uh, it's the podcast listening equivalent of a roller coaster. There's no yeah. doubt about that. So I think that will be fun for the listener at home. Sure. See? Less fun for us, but more for the listener at home. Yeah. What is fun for us when we all get uh, various conversations and texts throughout the week where we go, wait, I said what? Yeah, it's, exactly. It's fun? Yeah. It's fun yeah. microphone? Yeah, us, but it's not yeah. very fun for Matt, I don't think. He's yeah. the one scratching his head, throwing ink pens and stuff like that. Yeah. Hey, here's the way I look at it. I'm the one with the least of reputation to ruin. Yeah. I got nothing to lose. Well, it's, you know. We've all got, you know, decades of work and uh, families and, you know, startling reputations in your respective right. fields. Nobody knows who I am. Well, I that's that's true. Everyone loves me. <laughs> that was my point. <laughs> that was my point. There's literally no statement. Glenn can't get to that in less than three steps. <laughs> The Bears did lose yesterday. Of course, people in Chicago love the Bears. You know what else people in Chicago love? Glenn, because everyone loves Glenn. It's his own personal six degrees of Kevin Bacon. Well, I'm I'm, quite popular. Sure. I I will say I continue to be shocked at the existence of casual fans at this show. Not because it's, like, so amazing that you can be casual about it. It just seems like 
it's a real love or hate situation. I it's can't a imagine polarizing thing. I can't imagine listening to this and not either being all the way on board as people seem to be, or just turning it off in disgust. Yeah, well, it's it's a it's a bit silly in places and, yeah, it's really, and inappropriate. I think you know that's what I find. It's not what you would call family friendly. I'm against okay? all of it. Is all this show it. safe for the ears in the back seat? I you know I I just don't believe it is. Well, see, I think we just learned something. So, you know what? I think for the rest of the show, maybe let's just sit in silence. And, and think about what we've done. Think about what we've done. <laughs> and go ahead and record another hour of Dead Air. Well, that would be very avant-garde. Let's sure do it, man. Repentance Radio. Really ready for postmodern <laughs> podcasting. If you would like to do that experiment, you can just push pause now and wait an hour, but keep your earbuds in. Imagine we're feeling bad. And then come on back and we'll restart the show. Your podcast is bad and you should feel bad. Welcome to Sackcloth Radio. (laughs) So as we pointed out, there are casual fans out there, which I don't really understand because as we pointed out, the podcast is a bit silly. It's a bit ribbled. It's a Mm. bit uh, inappropriate at times. It's not really uh, what you'd call polished or family friendly but you know what has some of those particular attributes that'll be bridge box because here as you folks may have noticed we kind of show up without any real sense of what the words that are going to come flying out of our noise holes (laughs) right and uh we're surprised as you are a lot of times if you'd asked me 20 minutes ago matt do you think you'll be making a joseph goebbels reference in in a reference to the podcast i would have said no i can't imagine a series of horrific twists and turns that would lead there but there there is one thing every month that we plan out and we want to be nice for the people and helpful for the people right we wanted to have all the smooth edges sanded down we want to sound nice and look nice and that's bridge box you get lovely songs that jed has produced and uh, lee's uh, often contributes one at a time you get sermons that glenn has given to the people at the bridge that he's He's written through and prayed over and really wanted to give a good word. You get lovely images from our friend Julio down there in Tennessee and some other stuff that Jed does and all that to help you around a question for your walk. This we, this month, this being October 2014, it's what can someone like me do about injustice? And we put a lot of thought and prayer into it. We know it's a big thing for the people. So we got Bible studies, we got sermons, we got videos, we got songs, we got lots of cool stuff to engage you and help you out on that. You can sign up at missionusa.com slash bridgebox. It's only $8 a month, and you may ask what that $8 goes to. What it goes to is we get to hire part-time employees to be in ministry who are products of our ministry and folks from the neighborhood. We've got two of those right now. We're looking to expand. But that's people who would never have a ministry job otherwise because the church they go to can't can't even afford to pay the pastor. He's got a, a day job. And they don't know anybody with money or a relationship with Jesus to give them missionary support. So you get to be that missionary support. It's a very cool thing. It's going to keep growing and growing. So that's mm-hmm. missionusa.com slash bridgebox. You can also sign up for Lee Younger version, missionusa.com slash BBLY. Same price, $8 a month. And support the stuff Lee's doing down there. We take a small percentage of that for our kind of administrative stuff. If you want both, you can email me, Matt, missionusa.com, and I'll give you a special deal. All right, we're going to jump to our questions here. If you have a question for us, hang with us all the way to the end, and I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. This came in anonymously to our tumblr inbox it says hey there big say that fan i assume they mean they're a big say that fan and they're not calling me a big say that fan which is true but kind of sad are you not a fan of your own show matthew yeah matthew would you be 
Well, no. No. I'm deeply ashamed of it. All right, all right. Lately, I've been struggling with believing that God is love. How can a loving God send so many of his creations to hell? I just have such a hard time believing the idea of a loving God sending people to a to hell and a life of torture. It makes me kind of angry at him, and I really just can't bring myself to love him even though I know I should. Any advice? Glenn, can you start us off? Yeah, I think the word that's messing you up in your thinking is the word send. Yep. Mm -hmm. God's sending people here, sending them there. Right. Um, uh, uh, We spend a lot of time in in the courthouses and the jailhouses and those kinds of things, and the what we see there in terms of real judges, real lawyers, and all that is about a thousand miles from what you see on TV, uh, mm-hmm. and it and and it. But but you you sort of have this image developed perhaps in your mind of what goes on in a courtroom where you have one person telling one version of the truth, another person telling another version of the truth, and they're both doing as many dirty tricks as they can to try and sort of cheat the person in charge into believing their not entirely true version of events. Uh, that's not, when God says he's going to judge you, that's not what's going to happen. Okay. Uh, God knows everything. He's not, we're, we're not going to be going over the evidence. He, he <laughs> knows how this goes. So I think in many ways we're picturing something that, 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 that isn't going to happen. God gives you a choice. You take door number one. You take door number two. That's that. You're in charge of that. You're making the decision. Uh, your uh, your destiny is 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 it's your choice there. Uh, in, in terms of what what eternity looks like for you, God's giving you that choice. He's giving you that option because He cares about you. And he loves you. He doesn't send people there uh, simply because. Uh, they failed to jump through a hoop or didn't uh, perform up to a certain kind of theological standard or tick all the correct boxes in terms of behaviors and those kinds of things. Uh, I think we, we have to get out of that sort of uh, yeah. a courtroom thinking. Absolutely. And Lee, the Bible actually speaks to that point specifically, doesn't it? Yeah, absolutely. If actually, in, in uh, like the book of Second Peter, it says, the Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but wanting everyone to come to repentance. He he actually wants everyone to be saved. And it says later in the book of Revelation, it says that Jesus stands at the door and knocks. And that's yeah, the whole thing yeah. is from his perspective, it's not one of these things where he's saying, Okay, you I want, you I'm gonna send to hell. He's he wants everyone to be saved. And and that this is the thing is he's offering this as Glenn's saying, it's the the choices here. Do you want to have eternal life in paradise? If you want it, you got it. It's this is a this is a free gift that you're being offered. I think the the thing is is that you actually, you know, sometimes people hear this, they hear the message of the good news and they say, "You know what? I understand that, but that's just not what I want right now." Yeah, yeah. Um yeah. I I I want to do my own thing. I want to steer my own life and uh I hear you. I understand what's what what's being offered me, but that's that's not what I want to be on. And the what's actually cool about the Lord in that instance is he says, "I respect that." You know, no I, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna respect your 
your choice to 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 want to do your own thing. It's not the most fulfilled life you can have, and it's not eternal life in paradise. But you know, make no mistake. If Jesus rescues me, He rescues me from something into something else. And and what a lot of people are saying is, at least at this stage or right now, and you know, if somebody's on the green side of the grass, their story's not over yet. Absolutely. Is uh, is what they're saying is, I'm. I want to keep doing this. Uh, you know, I, I'm I'm not ready to get on. Uh, you know, go in a different direction right now. I, I want to keep doing this. And the thing about the Lord that's really interesting is He will actually let somebody do that. Yeah. Well, to jump in right there because I think that's such a strong point, Lee. Um, one of the things uh, to the person who wrote in this question, uh, we respect you asking this question. Right. Uh, this is this is deep stuff. It's important stuff, and stuff that's meant to be wrestled with. Uh, right. I think there's a real danger for Christians. You know that attitude of God says it, I believe it. That settles it. That's actually not the recipe for a healthy Christian life. No, <laughs> um, you know what well, we respect you wrestling with this and and taking it seriously and saying this doesn't add up to me, and we really appreciate that. Um, to back up what Lee is saying, this is a quote. Um, I'm sure you've heard of this, a guy named C.S. Lewis. And he wrote a book called The Great Divorce, which is a fantastic mm-hmm. book. And the whole book is actually about hell. That's actually what the book is about. Um, since you're taking this question seriously, go read that book. Um, yeah, you know, we're, we're giving you a lot of brief overviews here, but go read that book. This is a quote from it, though, and it's very much uh, along the same lines of what both Lee and Glenn are saying. There are only two kinds of people in the end. Those who say to God, thy will be done. And those to whom God says, thy will be done. All that are in hell, choose it. Without that self-choice, there could be no hell. No soul that seriously and constantly desires joy will ever miss it. Those who seek, find. Those who knock, it is opened. Right. Well, I think that's an absolutely great point. And part of that, what that gives the, uh, the people in question that maybe we're not entirely comfortable with as a theological point is that idea of control. Yeah. Kind of that I I don't not sure we really know how to wrap our minds around that idea of people having a choice. Well, absolutely. I I think um, it really comes down to uh, making a choice, as these brothers are saying. Uh, but we we should stipulate we're talking about making an informed decision. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. That is to say, if you don't have the information you need to make that choice, yeah, then you haven't had you haven't been presented with the choice yet yeah therefore you haven't rejected the offer that's being made to you yeah therefore no one could condemn you yep so to give you an example of what i'm trying to describe because let's let's be clear on this this is a situation where you know somebody that you think should be in heaven that some version of your understanding of the bible tells you they're not that that they're not and that Thinking depends on you thinking that you understand the situation better than God and that you're more merciful than God. Neither of those points wash. So, you know, yeah. so that can't be it. But here's the thing is just to give you an example of, of what I mean by this super quick story. I'm going to um, actually test drive a car. This is years and years and years ago. Uh, my wife wanted to buy a car and she wanted to know, you know, what I thought of the car. So I went to test drive the car. The, it was a lady that was a car salesman there. Uh, we're in the car. We're driving. She says, so what do you do? And I told her all about how I work with poor people because, you know, uh, if you're going to try and sell a guy, uh, if, if, if if I say doctor, then... The, well, clearly you'd like the luxury package. The, the, the price <laughs> of this car is going to go way up. So I said, yeah, I work with poor people and nonprofit stuff and ministry stuff and all that. 
immediately she stops me and she says, I'm in the middle of getting a horrible divorce. I wish I could stop. I don't know what's going on. I haven't been in church forever. I, I, I'm so worried about what God thinks about my life. I need to talk mm. to somebody. Can I talk to you right now while we're doing this test drive? <laughs> and so I said, yeah, actually, yes, we can. And we just I just kept driving. It was the longest test drive in the history of the world. <laughs> and I ended up giving her the basic gospel message. I mean, just plain vanilla, straight ahead gospel message, laid it out. Uh, we pulled up into the into the uh, uh, dealership, and she said, I want you to come in with me, and I want you to tell me, to, I want you to tell all the other car salesmen what you just told me. Wow. I said, okay, that's cool. Why? Out of curiosity, why would you say that? And she said, "I what you just said, I've never heard that before. Yeah. Wow. I was raised wow. in Catholic yeah. school, in Catholic church all my life, whatever it is. I've been in church. I've never heard this gospel presentation the way you just laid it out. I don't think any of these people have either. Yeah. So, and she's like, this is great. This is what I, this is what I, you know, was looking to find something like this. So I think we have a perception that people are making a decision that really haven't been given the tools to make that decision with. Well, part of that, um, making that decision is actually having an accurate view of scripture and of Jesus, right? Right. Absolutely. Well, I was going to say, we see the same thing in, in young life ministry all the time. We, you know, would take a you know talk to a kid about the message of Jesus, or 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 they hear the message of Jesus at at like a young life camp and everything, and and these are kids a lot of times that are raised in church and stuff, and they're like, I have never heard that before. I've yeah, never yeah, I've yeah. never understood. Are you telling me that's what that story means? That's unbelievable. Mm-hmm. I've never even nobody's ever. I've never understood a word my preacher has ever said. You know, and and then when you when you just lay it out and words people can understand, they're like, why would I say no to that? That's incredible. You know, and and so that's that's an awesome thing. And, and I think one of the points there is, well, you know, at the end of your question, which as Jed says, we really respect you answering the question. You said at the end of the question, it makes me kind of angry at, at God. And I really just can't bring myself to love him, even though I know I should. Uh, number one, let me say that I totally understand where you come from on this because sometimes like, like I, I know this is true in the States. I don't know if this is true in other countries where we have listeners and you can let us know, but like sometimes you're driving down an interstate or a highway and somebody will put some billboard up, you know, just about how you're going to hell. Hell is real. You know? And exactly. You know, and, you know, I put that billboard in Indiana. I'm in Indiana. I know. <laughs> wait, wait. <laughs> right. I, I, I think I get more judgmental. Give me a second. I got to, I got to get up to it. Wait get for it. it. We got to. Hell is real. <laughs> I think I got it that time. Yeah, I so you certainly got more mountainy. I don't know about judgment, but <laughs> so, that's sorry, the one. Lee, I, I just had to get it in there. Yeah, that that's that's the one around my neck of the woods. Well, so so here's the thing on that is especially if you haven't like 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 Glenn's talking about this this car dealer. Like if you haven't heard like a, a you know a gospel message that has to do with the good news and grace and mercy of Jesus and the love of God, and all you hear is people like that, you know, standing on a, cam- on a college campus screaming at people about their, how they're going to hell or seeing these billboards and stuff like that. What's happening is other people are connecting dots from disparate verses of Scripture all over the place for you. And, what, and what's really weird about that is when, when, when people who haven't had a good picture of God, if you were to just if you were to just read through the gospel of John, for instance, or just read through the gospel of Mark, it would, it would probably, it wouldn't take very long. The gospel of Mark has 16 chapters. It's not a long little book. If you were to just read through it and ask this question, what kind of a dude is Jesus? Would I want to hang out with him? 
do I think that he cares about somebody like me? If you were just to push away all that stuff of people that are trying to connect dots and verses, talk about how everybody's going to hell, if you were just to just to get a picture of who Jesus is, what you'd find is, man, I I really would love to be around him. I mean, sure. the love question, you can't, I guess what I'm trying to say is, if you're trying to figure out, should I, I think I should love God, but I don't really know if I do, don't l- get the parameters for that set by people who are trying to tell you about who needs to go to hell. Yeah. Get, you know, take a look at Jesus and ask the question, would I love a person like this? We well, you know, to, to build on that, you ended your question and, you know, you said, it makes me kind of angry at him and I really just can't bring myself to love him, even though I know I should. I think that's great. And here's the funny thing is, I think God put that feeling in you. And I'll tell you why I say that. What you're describing is this feels unjust to you. Right. This feels wrong to you. And I have a suspicion that God made you to be the kind of person that would burn at the thought of injustice. I just, I can't live with that. I can't support that. I can't put up with that. And I think he made you that way because he intends for you to do something about that. Mm -hmm. God is very clear about what his will is. Uh, 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 Lee quoted it a moment ago um, that, that God does not will that any should perish, but that all should come to the knowledge of redemption. It says in the Old Testament, I delight in the death of no one, right. declares the Lord. God right. is clear, Old and New Testament both. He wants everyone to be with him, but that's not all he wants. If you read Matthew 25, you see that God doesn't just want people to spend eternity with him, though he certainly does. God wants people to be comforted and taken care of and looked after and supported and loved and fed right. and clothed and nurtured in this life too. God wants to see people um, be blessed. God wants to see people be loved, and then he wants them to be with him in eternity. Now, so what's the holdup? The holdup is we are God's hands and feet on this earth. We are the ones that are meant to do that loving and caring and nurturing and feeding and clothing. And here's the funny thing. When you go out and you love and care and nurture and clothe and look after, people are very interested in whatever God you believe in. That's that's, really that's why when, when I'm driving the, 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 the car, that's why she's asking me is because of, of the work that I'm doing in the city. Exactly right. Yeah. What I would say to you, my friend, you wrote in this question and you hate the idea of people, you know, just spending an eternity apart from God. Here's what I'm saying. God hates that idea more than you do. Mm -hmm. God thinks that's the worst idea in the world. He created you so that wouldn't have to happen. He created you so that you could get in there and do something about that and help people come to know him so they could be with him. You feel that sense of injustice because God put it in there. He intends for you to do something about it. And as you go out and start to do that, we've got your back. Absolutely. And I think in the, the bigger picture of this, you, you need to look at, you. it's easy. And I think as we've pointed out here, everybody who has a serious walk with the Lord goes through this particular question and many questions like it and the feelings you're having with it. But you have to look at the alternative. If someone had... Um, you know, as we're all talking about here, gotten a clear presentation of the gospel, gotten the offer, said, this sounds terrible. I, you know, I believe in reason and logic and Reddit or whatever it is. You know, I don't, I don't have any interest in anybody telling me what to do. I'm going to do my thing. It's not a really loving or respectful thing to at the end say, well, tough crap, you're in heaven now. (laughs) (laughs) You're hanging, you spent a whole life saying, I don't want anything to do with any kind of God. I'm not in on that. Well, now you got to hang out with him all the time. Yeah. And, you know, we don't actually know a ton about hell. It doesn't get talked about in the Bible. What we know for sure is that it is eternal separation from God, which is terrible, but it is a choice. And as Leah's pointed out, the thing you have to look at here is it maybe not the more loving thing to respect someone's choice, 
as opposed to forcing on them something that even though you know is better than what they're choosing, they're not choosing. Now, these are all, as you pointed out, all heady questions, and I'm sure there's some very nice, reformed young man wearing skinny jeans and flannel who's really itching at all the predestination stuff. And you're going to get a, an urge to write that email. Just go ahead and put that in the drafts folder. Yep. It's okay. Don't. If you're, we love your emails. We love to hear your stories. We love interacting with you. If your email involves quoting John Calvin, you just got to just gotta keep it to yourself, man. Push on, brother. Yep. Here We're talking about what we know. We're talking about an experience we've all had and you've had, and I think you've gotten a lot of good stuff on this. And as Jed had pointed out, if we with great divorce, there's other stuff out there. Keep wrestling with this. It's not an easy question. You're not going to get an easy answer. But if you continue to walk with the Lord, you continue to look at the actual Jesus in actual scripture and not the billboards, you will continue to gain an understanding and come to a place of peace with it. And uh, one of the other things on that, we talk about this sometimes on the show, is um, if God is God, as we all firmly believe him to be, um, it doesn't really matter if we agree with his choices or not. Now, you still want to work through the emotions of that. You want to work through the logic of that because he is good and come around to that. But Sometimes you have to say, I don't understand how this is a good thing, but I know that God is good, so I'm going to kind of keep going in my not understanding things because my brain, powerful though it may be, is not God. Right. All right, move on to our next question here. It comes in also anonymously to our Tumblr box. It says, should I remain friends with someone that is envious of me? We haven't been friends for too long, and I'm starting to pick up on patterns. It's like because things aren't going too well for her at this moment, she's incapable of being happy for others that are doing well. Jed, can you kick us off? I can. Let me uh, pose a slightly different question. Let's say I came to you and I said, I got this buddy. Now, every time we hang out, he just rears back and kicks me right in the shins. I mean, he takes his time. Right. He, he lines it up. He really gets in the zone. And then he just kicks me right in the shin every time. Not in a bad way. Not a bad He doesn't mean anything by it. It's just right. a little shin kick among friends. Yeah, right, That's right. cool. He's probably got a point, too. Probably. Do you think I should keep hanging out with him? <laughs> now, if I, if I came to you and asked that question, you'd say, no, of course not. It's a terrible idea. You'd see it immediately. So the thing I've got to ask is, why do you want to keep hanging out with this person? Right. In other words, with my shin kicking friend... What would happen is... Old shin kicker, they call him. (laughs) What you would actually say, the advice you give me is, you need to sit this person down and say, every time we hang out, you kick me in the shins, which is really unpleasant. What's up with that? Also, I don't want to do that anymore. If you cannot kick me in the shins, we can work something out. But otherwise, this is goodbye. You, yeah. you, you would know what to say. So my two questions for you is, why do you want to keep hanging out with this person? And you would know what to tell me about my friend who kicks me in the shins. But why aren't you clear on what you should do in this situation? And I've got a suspicion on both of those. The first is, there's why do you want to keep hanging out with this person? Do you have a sense nobody else would have you? Is there a fear that this friendship, this relationship is about as good as you can get or that this is just the right fit for you? In other words, people have a way of finding themselves in the relationships they believe they deserve to be in. That's just that's a a rule of life. Do you have other friends in your life that are also similarly kind of funky about things? Do you have family members that act that way? Because, again, we all have a way of winding up in the friendships and the relationships we believe that we deserve. And I think it's highly possible that that's a factor here for you. The second thing is um, in terms of talking to them and saying, hey, what's up with the kicking me in the shins? um, Are you afraid that they would say, then we're not friends anymore, and then I'd be horribly alone? Because if it's a choice between this friend and being horribly alone, they sense that. 
and they're holding that over your head. Yeah. Right, uh, right, right. Pe- people know when you're kind of looking to them to be the thing that, that keeps you from having to be lonely, and they use that. They, they, they manipulate you. So I'll push that back to you. Those are suspicions. I could be wrong, but I, I think you need to ask yourself, why am I eager to continue hanging out with and not confronting someone who mistreats me on a consistent basis? That's a great point. You talk about the conversation that we had. Use the word confrontation there. Lee, can you give us a couple of tips for maybe having that actual conversation? Well, I mean, I think one of the keys on having that conversation is that, you know, even though we always want to be kind in the way that we deal with people, you have to be direct. You know, I mean, you, you can't not say the thing. And that's the that's the mistake most people make when they when they go into a confrontation is they want to couch it in all the disclaimers and all that kind of stuff. And you and here's what here's where most people do. They, they say about 90 percent of the problem that they have. And then they pull the ripcord and bail before they say the last 10. Yeah. Here's the thing. The heat is in that last 10 percent. You have to say all of it. You have to be direct. I mean, you need to be kind, but you have to be direct. I think one thing that I'd love to add on to something that Jeb was kind of saying in, 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 uh, in where he was going there is that I think that we need to broaden our definition of the word friend. Yeah. yeah I mean, yeah. I, th- I think things like Facebook and stuff like that, they, they cause us to have a definition of friends that's not very helpful. I mean, I don't know if you guys have ever heard, like those of you that are listening, if you ever heard that thing that like, um, like native people from like that that are in like uh you know Canada and Alaska and stuff like that they have like 17 different words for snow we have one you know just because there's there's totally different kinds of snow and they have to, you know different ways to describe it and snow and ice and different ways you would use it and stuff like that we should have lots of different kind of terms for friends i mean yes. just having this person's my friend this person's not my friend that's not a real helpful thing like for me i have people that that i'm friendly with people that i'm acquaintances with people that are in my life and then i have people that are like in my tribe you know like people that are dear to me people that i let into my confidence And look, here's the thing is, it's not uncommon for the status of those types of people in your life to change over time. I think that we're afraid of that. Like if I've been really, really close friends with somebody since the third grade, then we just have to be best friends for the rest of our lives. Well, you actually don't. And there's nothing wrong with you changing the status. Now, you don't have to announce that the status has changed. All you have to do is you're kind to that person, but you don't let them in as far. Yeah. You don't let right. them in past the borders. You, and what that here's what that means for you. It means in your mind deciding I am lowering the status of friendship with this person. And the way that I do that is I don't I don't need to announce it. I'm just going to maintain some boundaries. I'm not going to let them in to cert, past certain emotional borders. Yeah. I'm not going to let them hurt me in certain ways. And, and there's nothing wrong with doing that. But I think one of the, the ways that you have to do that is you have to start realizing that there's a, there are different kinds of friends in your life than just that's, – that's not a binary definition. This, this is my friend. This is not my friend. There are all kinds of distinction was within, those, within those words. That's really great stuff. And one of the things you mentioned in your question is that you're picking up on some patterns. And it sounds like one of those patterns is that you're dealing with a bit of an insecure person. And Glenn, can you talk to us a little bit about how to deal with that particular situation? For sure. And I, I think, um, you know, uh, Joe was talking about the possibility of, you know, what if um, you sort of covet this person's friendship and so forth. So you're kind of letting letting that person act in a way that otherwise wouldn't be acceptable. Um, I think a less likely possibility, but one we might want to cover is 
What if it's the other way around where you're sort of feeling sorry for her because she's doing yeah. like a victim thing? But that's easily a thing where you're getting something out of it because you get to be the one that yes. rides to the rescue. Exactly right. And I think that's where we got to figure out, okay, wait a second. This God's the hero of the story. I am not. Um, this person needs to, you know, get connected with the Lord and, and, and work on their issues. But if they're saying, no, feel sorry for me, no, feel sorry for me, what have you, then you already don't have a healthy friendship, as Lee is pointing out. But you're dealing with someone who has a fundamental insecurity, a negative yeah. self-image, and that that's gotten out of control. Uh, the thing that you need to know about insecurity is it's poison. It just kills everything. Yeah. As simple as that. It's uh, we we. I think it's it's so weird to me that insecurity. I think culturally we take it as sort of a version of um, being humble. In yeah, a way. Yeah, super sure. not. It is way not that. The I mean, funny thing, just to jump in there real quick, insecurity is the most prideful thing you can be on. No question. Totally. It, it's it's a total self-focus. I yeah. mean, that's that's this gal. is She can't be happy for you. She's too busy being sorry for herself. It's self-focus coupled with I know above all. Yes. At least yes. in this one area. I know better than anyone in right. the entire yeah, world. Yeah, God can't sort this out you know because i'm a special case and yeah. you know whatever else okay so uh that insecurity um will destroy that relationship that you have with her guaranteed that for sure will happen mm -hmm. unless she destroys the insecurity before that happens yeah so that that puts that ball in her court not in yours uh but i think the other thing that you're mentioning with that uh Insecurities that's driven her to a place of envy. And here's the thing. Envy and love cannot occupy the same space. I have people that I know that I love them, that I have a good relationship with them. Uh, as Lee's pointing out, I, I wouldn't necessarily call them my closest, tightest friends, but people I know and I love. But I know that they have an envy of me that yeah. is just strong enough to where there isn't an actual love there. Yeah. They would, I mean, they would be horrified to hear me say it, but it's, you it's know, true. when, when yeah. you're around them, you can just sense that I'm making this person miserable because they're envying. And by contrast, there are certain people that are capable of simply being happy for you and celebrating your successes, even right. if they don't fully understand them, right. even if they yes. don't, you know, just, that's amazing. Yes. Yes, exactly. So, um, you know, I think that's uh, we, we had to start looking at um, how much of this is 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 balls in our court and how much of it's balls in. Well, and, court. and you can smell that on people too, like what you're describing when 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 there's a when 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 you're into something, something happens, and somebody is just so they're just thrilled for you. Yes. you yeah. know, it's yeah. just it, it's some number one. It doesn't. There's not a whole lot of that. So yeah. you kind of want to cherish those people. Oh, yes. But, but two, uh, you can way sense it the other way. Like if you say a thing and then somebody immediately jumps on a story about themselves, you know, that's when <laughs> we, 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 we need to change the, we need to change the thing. And the thing on that is like, you can't, you can't actually convince that person to be happy because right. you can't, you can't make anybody else be happy, but they're not going to be happy unless we're talking about their story, you know? You know, Lee's point reminded me of a brilliant insight that I once had. Oh, yes. Sure. <laughs> I, just, I should have get that out there. Wow. But actually, it's a serious thing, though, because that, that's a great point from Lee, is there's only 24 hours in the day. I think one of the things we need to ask is, 
you can pursue relationships with people who will celebrate your victories. You you can right, choose yes, to do yeah, that. Yeah. Um, you maybe you don't know any of those people, but you can decide I'm going to go find them. They right. they do yeah. exist, and I think we need to ask again: Why are we spending time with someone that we know is not going to do that? There's right. only 24 hours in a day. I can spend time with this person I know is going to be a downer. I know is not going to celebrate my victories, or I can try and go build relationships with people who will celebrate my victories and right. do that. If this is a ministry situation where you're trying to minister to this person, that's a different thing. Totally but if, different, yeah. But if this is about friends, friends are meant to celebrate your victories. Let's yeah. find some friends that will actually do that. I think it's a really cool point. I'm wondering if one of the things in that mindset is we – all of us, everyone, hates the idea of starting anything from scratch. Yeah. So there's the idea of, can I just fix the busted thing? Because I already, you know, I already know their phone number and stuff, and I don't have to <laughs> yeah. go up and start with strangers, and I don't, I don't care what kind of movies people like. I don't yeah. want to do all that crap. But there's this idea, which kind of where Jed started this off, of if they're making up their mind to, to be this way, you, A, you can't talk them out of it, and B, this is, this is worse than a stranger. Yeah. This is someone yeah. who is functionally making okay. your life yeah. worse with yeah. every interaction. That's the yeah. thing. You would not go to, to go back to the shin-kicking analogy, which I am pronouncing very carefully. <laughs> you wouldn't go back to your friend getting kicked in the shins and say, have you thought about just buying shin guards? <laughs> right, right, wouldn't right. that just solve everything? Yeah. You well, say, well, that's, that's not a cool way to behave, but I think it's easy, and maybe especially we have some younger viewers, if you're in college or especially in high school where you got to be surrounded by the same people, you say, yeah. I, I got the little niche here and it's not good, but maybe I could, I don't, I, I don't want to dye my hair and start over with the goth kids or whatever it is, you know, yeah. well, but that idea of starting from zero is not as bad in a lot of ways, Lee. Well, the, per, especially per the high school thing or per the, like, let's say it's in a youth group where there's already that you can't really choose who comes to the thing. I, I have a question for you guys. Do you think like, okay, because it feels like some of the false humility and the insecurity that feels like kind of a cultural norm. Like that's yeah, where right. a lot of people start. Yeah. Do you think it's possible to teach the other thing to teach your, your friend group or whatever, how to celebrate everybody, how to come off of some of these insecurity things by example, or do yeah. you sure. need to sit people down one on? I mean, how, how, how can, how can somebody that's stuck with the same group kind of change that culture? Do you that's think? A, that's an awesome thing to ask Lee. And I think it, if you've got a heart to be that person yourself, then that's, you know, so-and-so just uh, was promoted to assistant uh, sandwich manager at the sandwich place or whatever, right. you know, as, as, assistant, which is much better uh, than being promoted to assistant sandwich manager manager at the oil change place. Yes. Yeah, that's, 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 not, that's not a position of honor. Uh, so um, let's, uh, we're going to get him a card and we'll all sign it and say something nice. That's yeah. cool. Yeah. So yeah, you're yeah. sort of, uh, it, it, it's, it's a manufactured thing, but you're, you're, you're demonstrating. This is, this is what you're supposed to do. It's sort of, like people, yeah, people don't know how to be encouraging. Yeah, yeah, I think yeah. If you if you kind of give them just a a, a, a sort of a, a a physical challenge like that, sign this card, say something nice. They they won't do great at it, but it, they're learning in that moment. Oh yeah, I this is a new thought. I should be doing this. This is how to be a person. Yeah, well, exactly. and part of the strategy in that goes back to what Lee was talking about earlier about knowing and managing your own expectations and scale as to. 
how much you're going to get from these people or this yeah. particular person in this area. One of the things you can do is, and this is difficult, and it helps if you have, if maybe this gal is the exception in the group as opposed to the rule, but you can just not reward the bad behavior. Yeah. Say, well, I yeah. got the thing. Say, oh, I had a thing. You don't go, oh, Susie, it's okay. You'll get, you'll get a thing one day. <laughs> you say, Sorry to hear that, Susie. Anyway, back to what we were talking about, about your good thing. You got to, all all insecurity is looking for attention. But the thing about that is, one of the bad strategies for dealing with insecure people is assuming if we just give them, they're just a person who needs a little extra attention. So if we just give them, yeah, if we just give them 110% of the attention that we're giving everyone else, it'll work. But as Lee has exactly pointed out, if you've made up your mind to be insecure, that's a black hole of attention. Yeah. There's no such thing as talking about my own insecurity too much. Right. So why don't we just do that? So I think that Lee makes a great point. You can do a little bit of work on modeling that on trying to, and at some point, if you are young and Lee makes a great point, if it's a youth group situation, if it's a team or something, sometimes especially when you're younger you're just stuck yeah yeah so yeah. part of the way part of the goal is to make the best of a bad situation which is what we're talking about here with you can you can try to set that example you can manage your own expectations about what we're doing you can try to set your own boundaries you can have that conversation that jed was talking about and it may not go great we can be honest about that but you can say your piece and you at least know where you stand and none of these are are pure fixes the best fix is to just not be around that person which if you have the ability to do that that's probably option A, but if you, you're going to make the best of a bad situation, I think we've given you some pretty good tools to do that. So we move on to our next question. This came in to our email address from our friend Matthew down there in the Carolinas. He says, yeah. I'm a freshman in college, and I have a chance to get involved with a number of campus ministries. How do I decide which one to go with? Lee, kick us off. Matthew, it's good to hear from you, dude. Um, and Thank you. And by the way. Oh, you meant. Never mind. Oh, okay. I see what you did there. I was, that was a just pretty easy joke, but I just had to take that it. That Matthew uh, in in the Carolinas is a is definitely a super fan. Good dude. Um, Certified. So I, I would look. I'd I'd like to kind of answer this question from the other way around. You're saying how do I how do I decide on a on a good one to go with? I'd like to kind of start out. Some of the other guys can break down. How do you decide on a good one? What I'd love to point out is uh, when to know to turn tail and run away. Um, when you know you found the really bad one, um, what happens a lot with campus ministries because like campus ministries have a tendency to be really passionate, really excited, really laser focused because you've got a a homogenous group. Everybody's, everybody has more time on their hands than they've ever had in their life uh, for, for a lot of, for a lot of folks, you know, some of them have pocket money and stuff like that. And so now you've got, you've got this group, they want to be together. They're so fired up and everything. And it's kind of easy if you're a, a ministry leader in that situation to kind of to kind of tweak that situation and get everybody all fired up on this thing. What happens a lot of times with, with that kind of deal is you'll find these groups that are like, they've kind of got everybody on the same brainwave and they all talk the same and they all kind of look the same. And they're all, they all, they, they tell you which books not to read and they tell you who you can't hang out with. And then they start telling you, you can't be a part of this parachurch church organization. You got to only, do stuff with us. If, if you smell anything like that, just turn and walk out of the door. And and it's one of those things where it's like, wow, that's those are kind of heavy accusations. I'm telling you because I've watched people walk into those over and over and over again because they're the most excited about Jesus 
and they're the most fired up about, you know, we found the real worshipers and all that kind of stuff. And dude, just look, if the, if, if you find a group like that, where they're telling you how to be, they're telling you how to dress, they're, they're, uh, criticizing things about you. They're telling you what, what you should, you can do in your free time and stuff like that. That's when you want to turn and walk away from that. The passion thing doesn't mean it's awesome. Okay, you want to find a place where you are free to walk, have your own walk with Christ and stuff like that. But I wanted to kind of start out just with that, just when to know you've landed in a bad one. That's a great point. Glenn, can you start us off with the kind of uh, the positive ones? For sure. I think the main thing I always looked for uh, when I was in school is uh, pretty girls. Sure, sure, absolutely. Uh, yeah, did you, did you find that really en- enriched your life, both spiritually and academically, when you were in college? Uh, no, on, okay. on both accounts. <laughs> um, socially, it was great. Sure. But uh, uh, what I found in college, and I think Jed and I have almost identical stories of uh, our experience with campus ministries. We, uh, uh, you know, Matt told us not to mention any names, but I, I think it's time to be clear that oh, we were both involved with College Crusade for Reformed University Fellowship. That's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> most of the meeting was saying the name. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we were part of the splinter breakaway group that discovered a fifth spiritual law. That's a good bit. Man. If you enjoy that bit. joke, <laughs> I love the Glenn and tell him. Because Thank he you. wants yes. people to be exci- as excited Thank about you. that joke as he is. Thank you. Um, I told that joke, and it did not land once and forever afterwards. <laughs> I insist on Anyway. It's a good bit. It's a good bit. Okay, here's the thing is uh, Judd and I were both uh, uh, praise and worship guys <laughs> in, in our respective uh, uh, campus ministries. And uh, you see all this, I guess, from a slightly different perspective when you're, when you're in that. But I think the experience I had, and again, I think Jed might tell you is similar, was that I didn't at all socially click with the people in the ministry. Yes, I mean, it was just oil and water almost from from the get-go. There, I just didn't ever, I never had a sense of... Um, Kinship? Yeah. It was very, very, uh, there were just, these people were not a good hang at all, you know. <laughs> no. and, and some of it, I guess, is along the lines of what Lee is talking about, sort of being uptight about certain things and overly, you know, intense about other things or whatever else. Uh, but I think finding that good fellowship is a big key. I think there's, uh, the, when I'm talking to college students, uh, it seems like over and over again, they're concerned about, how much Bible they're reading, how much church they're going to, whatever. And I said, where's the fellowship, you know, busted? You know? Yeah, yeah. So well, wait a second. Let's deal with that first and foremost, uh, and then we'll work the rest of this out. It's easier to find good preaching. You can listen to sermons online yeah. or something, for heaven's sake. It's easy enough to figure out uh, good Bible study materials that we can buy on the Internet, and we can get whatever. We can sign up for Bridgebox and do that thing. Uh, we can, you know, there's praise and worship music in there. We can get our worship on throughout the week, put it in our headphones and all that good stuff. But at the end of the day, if we don't have the good fellowship, that we're we're really in a, in a bad place. So I think that's a big key. It absolutely is. Jay, can you maybe roll some, some other good keys? Absolutely, absolutely. I think uh, both these brothers are right, but I think Lee is particularly right that for a lot of these groups, it becomes a competition of who's going to be the most intense 
You know, I mean, uh, an earnest off. It is an oh. earnest off. Mm, yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I totally agree. Mm. <laughs> who, I just, I just agree right now. Who most wants to burn with this holy fire? Yeah. That's the question that we need to answer. <laughs> who can invite the Holy Spirit to this room in the creepiest way that implies the Holy Spirit isn't here unless we ask Him to come in? <laughs> I am the most ardent. Admit it, <laughs> Jed. Um, Jed, you got to come to this group, man. This guy is just so anointed. I, wow, that. That, that was a quote from life, folks. Lee came up with that way too quick for that to have been created. Dude. That was a repetition. Brother, you left me at a loss for words, and that is not easy to do. I doff my cap. Well done. Out creeping the master. You, you did. That was impressive. Here's, right now, Pete Lawson is just, just <laughs> waving his hands in the air and trying. He's just loving this episode. Here, here is my experience is the thing about intensity and earnestness is that just results in navel gazing. It's, you know, it's actually a lot like political ideologies where it, it basically just becomes a test for whoever is most ideologically pure. And we spend all of our time thinking about who is disqualified and excluded from the group on that basis. What I would encourage you to do and this picks right up on what Glenn was saying is find people who are putting their faith into action in the form of service. Um, that doesn't have to be with poor people. Um, that could be, you know, uh, something like Amnesty International. Uh, it certainly could be something like a soup kitchen that could be helping, you know, tutor little kids, big brothers, big sisters. But find people who are putting their faith into action. Um, you're going to have much better fellowship that way. They're going to, generally speaking, be way more relaxed about really everything uh, and you're gonna have way more fun and your faith is gonna come alive to you um if you do that but that that would be and um i should say another good example of people doing that i have a bunch of of friends in the nashville area who are all in college together and all serve through young life sure. are, are all involved in, in helping young people come to know the lord that's great that's fantastic but find a group where they're putting their faith into action through service do that together and you will have the most awesome college fellowship experience you could ask for I think it's a really solid point. It gives kind of the, the good idea of two extremes because one of the things about people putting their faith into action, one is they're they're doing stuff and that you learn more because you're in situations that stretch you. But also really the thing you don't want in a college fellowship or a church or any other group is what's the point of this? It's for us to come to it. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. What do you do? Well, we, we occupy this it. space. <laughs> We're there. Sure. We And then they they put in the flyer next week about how many people were here. Yep. And that that just kind of waters everything down, man. That's cuz then the number one goal of the people running it is to get the most people in the door. So if you are growing at a decent pace, they're going to slow everything down to the kind of the lowest the lowest amount of growth in the room and it just it doesn't breed anything good. What you yeah. want is people who are doing stuff and stretching themselves and offering that idea just because that's what a Christian life is supposed to do. That's we may have taken a little bit of the mega church model. We're not all supposed to just come to the Christian concert slash keynote speaking thing. But I want to make him famous. Is there a group for me? He's already super duper famous. I don't think people have heard of God. Jed, do you think maybe what you want to do is make you famous? Well, I would make me famous on the way to making him famous. Interesting how that works out. Well, you know, I mean, whatever works. <laughs> I think it's, it goes back to what Glenn said there. If, you know, there are, there are things you can do that anyone can do for themselves that you don't actually need an outside source to do. You can purchase an NIV study Bible. Right. You can purchase one very cheaply. You can purchase systematic theology. You don't need a dude who spent he spent 20 hours this week reading the NIV study Bible and the systematic theology to then tell you what's in it. <laughs> right. You can listen to sermons. You can do all that stuff. 
What you can't do is have someone who has gone out and lived an actual life walking through faith to then give you pointers on what that is. You need you need to go out. You need to find a person to do that. Yeah. Same way with fellowship. And Glenn, you've already talked about the fellowship. Can you maybe talk a little about that leadership aspect? Yeah, I think it's really important to have uh, leaders that are being led in a good yeah. way. Uh, some of these groups, uh, the, the leaders kind of on their own. Oh, thing. You're 22. You probably know everything. Go ahead. Yeah. And that in some cases, those <laughs> leaders um, uh, kind of have a system, you know, in, instead of good training, they put them in a system and they put all the people into a system. Mm. And, and the goal um, being to turn people into leaders and then lead people into leaders. And then we have a uh, kind of a perpetual leadership machine. Exactly right. Uh, the thing is, I, you know, uh, I was faced with a certain amount of that when I was in college of, you know, we like for you to, to, to be, you know, move up the ranks here. I said, Oh, cool. Right. You know, hit me. What does no, it pay? Oh, yeah, exactly. He said, well, no, it's, it does. You have to go to these classes and whatever. And so well, what's in the class? Well, it's, you know, basic remedial stuff about Christianity. So I said, I've got it. I can, uh, I can do an advanced placement right now, dude, and save you a lot of time and energy. Well, no, we like to see you go through the classes anyway. I said, you might like to see it, but it ain't going to happen, my brother. That's I got. <laughs> so let me understand this. I'm paying for classes, right. but you want me to go to extra classes yeah. that I don't get any diploma yeah, for. Yeah, I don't. You may uh, whatever you're smoking, pass it this way, my brother, because ain't no way I'm going to waste my time. <laughs> that with sentence that was about the time Gwen was asked to leave the campus yeah. ministry. So th- that's the thing is I I don't like uh, being part of a machine. I'd rather be in a situation where somebody sees what I bring to the table, they appreciate that. And they're helping me to, to, to find that giftedness and use it in some sort of way, whether that's within the campus ministry or not. And I think if you have that, you're, you're going to be in a really good group. Well, I think that's a great point, and it speaks to this idea of uh, one of the things that's confusing about this, we, the person who this question, we know a lot of you guys deal with this, is sometimes if you haven't seen it before, the thing that's somebody doing it exactly right and somebody doing it kind of a weird way actually look pretty similar like uh, Glenn, like uh, Jed mentioned Young Life, and Lee's Young Life leader, and I was for a long time, and Young Life has some pretty regimented training. It's a giant international sure. organization. They have, here's the statement of faith, and here's the way we do things. But they have a person in every place who's been doing that job who shepherds people through that. And one of the things right. I really enjoy about Young Life, and uh, so the thing you know, like the, the youth ministry, Lee runs down there, some other... The, Always the uh, the purpose of good ministry is they're trying to put themselves out of a job. Yeah, we don't yeah. mean that that by that that they are trying to turn you into the next reformed inner varsity Christian cramp crusade fellowship person. I mean, they're trying to give you skills to go do what it is you want to do. Yeah, the the way a lot of the ways you can tell a good campus ministry by a bad campus ministry say, well, I'm not really interested in doing this forever. A good one, the same way the good church say, well, we're here to get you from. As this is a point Glenn makes a lot, sometimes an organization or a ministry is only to get you from A to B, and then you go somewhere else for B to C. Yeah. But if it's a kind of a closed loop in the way we're talking about, that indicates not the best plan. And again, we're, I want to point out, we're not saying they have insidious motives if they want to you know. It's just that's what they know. And you're trying to run yeah. this giant unwieldy thing, but... A lot of times, whether it be church or campus ministry, what's best for you as the person being ministered to and what's best for the ministry are not the same things. Yeah. So you want to be clear about which one they're kind of leaning towards here. Yeah. All right, we're going to close that on that. If you have a question for us, say that podcast at gmail.com or thebridgechicago.tumblr.com. If you drop us a message in our Tumblr inbox, 
go ahead and mention the podcast. We know that you wanted to answer it on this and not the blog. We also have the Bridge podcast you can listen to. That comes out every Monday. We are smack dab in the middle of Eric Peters month on the Bridge podcast. Eric Ooh. is releasing a brand yeah. new hymn every week exclusively through us that he has uh, chosen and rearranged. And then Jed's produced the track. They've all been great. We have a lot of a lot of people enjoying those, so check out the Bridge podcast on iTunes or check out that Tumblr page, and we'll throw up the link when that comes out every Monday. We have the Bridge Loud, which comes out every Friday. The same thing as the Bridge podcast, but if you want it cranked all the way up to 11, we've recently had uh, one of our Bridge Loud acts fired down, featured on some uh, some Christian rock radio, which I did not know was still a nice. thing, but apparently is, and they like fire down. They do indeed. So that's solid. We've also that's had awesome. the, uh, the, was it the first episode of the new season of The Water Tower that just came out, Lee? It's one of the uh, intermediate, the uh, refill episodes in between seasons. Excellent, but brand new Water Tower, another mini worship service from uh, Lee down there in Tennessee. Great stuff. You can check all that out on iTunes or check our various blogs, and we will uh, be throwing up and reposting links. Remember, you can sign up for Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox, missionusa, missionusa.com slash BBLY. I say that every week. You'd think it'd be fluid by now, but it's not. All right, we're going to take you out with one of those very Bridgebox tracks we keep plugging. This is from our friends Pete and Tasha Lawson. They are part-time employees here doing some awesome street-level ministry. They are actually partially supported by Bridgebox money, so this is the awesome stuff you're helping get created in the world. This is a song from Pete and Tasha called God is Love. We'll take you out with that. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. To say that podcast, definitely not Nazi in any way at all. <laughs> Glad you just claimed that. So that so I, I God, is love. God don't hate me when I love.